everybody? Dan Urban here with Scott Fontana, a.k.a. the Couchside Judges, and we've got another terrific installment loaded up for you. As we've done the past few Fridays, we've got a special guest joining us for some great insight into the world of mixed martial arts. This week, it's none other than our fellow Jersey guy, Jim Miller, fresh off his victory over Roosevelt Roberts at UFC Fight Night last Saturday in Las Vegas. We're thrilled to have one of the most prolific fighters in UFC history joining us to talk about his win, provide insights into his prolonged battle with Lyme disease, the potential to take fights at welterweight, and of course, his perspective on judging in the sport as a respected fighter throughout the MMA community. The man now has 35 fights in the octagon, and if his win is any indication, Jim Miller has plenty left in the tank. So Dan, our guest today doesn't really need much of an introduction for real fight fans, but he's getting one anyway. Jim might be your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. He's won post-fight bonuses from the UFC 12 times during his 12-year run with the promotion. Along the way, he's headlined events on Fox and was on the cusp of title shots. He also owns the most wins and submission victories in UFC lightweight history with 19 and 9 respectively. And as Dan mentioned before, he just beat hot lightweight prospect Roberts in a catchweight fight at UFC Apex. Congratulations on the win, Jim. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Sure, sure. Now, before we dive in, full disclosure for our listeners, as Dan and I have mentioned on the show before, we trained uh, jujitsu at AMA Fight Club at the same time you were fighting out of there you know, many years mm-hmm. ago, back when you might see guys like Khabib or Amanda Nunes in the gym uh, before they reached their peak of you know men's and women's MMA at the same time here. I still think about the fact that we had a bunch of goat-level killers training into this little gym in a strip mall next to a delicious pancake place. <laughs> it yeah, it's wild. funny how that works sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it like those days? Uh, you know, I, I mean, we had a, a solid group coming in, and it was, uh, yeah, you know, like a, a, every day was a every day was a, a a hard day of training. No matter no matter what, no matter who showed up, it was a. It was always uh, a, a tough day. Do you have any like memories of you know times where Khabib was there or when uh, Amanda was there? Because Amanda was there a lot more than than Khabib. Um, yeah. Does anything kind of stick out in your mind? Um, you know, I only got to train with Khabib uh, like a handful of times, once or twice, um, uh, and and kind of similar with uh, with Amanda. Um, when the times that they were there, um, I was dealing with some some injuries and stuff like that uh, of my own and. Uh, wasn't in as much as you know I had been uh, leading up to that point, but uh, yeah, you know, like I, I got to train with both of them, and and uh, you know, yeah, it's uh, there have been uh, a, a lot of people that you know I've I've, I've crossed paths with uh, in this in this game, you know, over the years. Yeah, I remember uh, one time they decided to put the afternoon jujitsu class with the pro class, and me and you, <laughs> me and you got matched up in in a drill where uh, you were top mount and throwing strikes and. You stopped. You said, "Hey, you got to do something other than cover up." <laughs> so. Yeah, that, <laughs> that that was uh, yeah, must have been must have been fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> just hey, hey, here you go, <laughs> hop <laughs> underneath. You're gonna get punched in the face a little bit, and uh, yeah, that's how we're gonna do it. <laughs> Thanks for paying your membership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun day, but uh. You know, let's circle back to your win the other day. You know, this was such a, a typical Jim Miller fight. You know, you didn't waste no time bringing it right into your world and uh, pushing for the subs right away. Uh, how soon did you know that that arm was yours? Um, pretty pretty soon. You know, like I, I had wrapped it up um, and, and felt like I had good control over the arm. 
um, like immediately once I once I kind of fell to my back. And uh, you know, like the arm bar is not it's not one of my moves. It's not it's not a move that I go for consciously. Um, it's one of those moves that like I've drilled so many times that when I go for it, it's there. You know, it's it's not something I ever try to force. Um, so I mean, once once I had kind of gone into it, uh, you know, the fact that he wasn't slippery, uh, you know, I wasn't tired, uh, you know, any of those other things that can kind of affect submissions, uh, they, they weren't going to, you know, uh, play on that one. So, um, I was confident that I was going to get it. You know, it was, I was jammed up a little bit in the cage. So if he did stack me, I wasn't able to, I wouldn't have been able to, uh, roll him. Um, but I could still elevate that, uh, his near side leg if I, if I needed to, um, after he threw that hammer strike, uh, he kind of like rolled in a little bit and he was trying to stack me. And when he did so, it, it, it rolled that arm across his body even more. And uh, when you're when you're going for that arm bar from uh, like from your back, from from the guard position, even though, you know, really didn't hit the guard. But um, when it, when you're in that position, getting the arm across the body is is probably the biggest thing that I go for, because uh, that's going to tell me if the if the arm bar is there or not. You know, um, when the arm is, you know, uh, I was attacking his uh, left arm. If the left arm is on the left side of the body, you know, then, then the shoulder can move a lot more. Uh, freely, but uh, when you pull that left arm across the body, uh, it really tightens up the shoulder, which then tightens up the elbow. And um, yeah, once once he kind of loaded me up a little bit more, I was able to to really scoop his wrist with my uh, right arm, and, and and at that point, it was already it was already done. Um, you know, it was if he didn't stand up, um, I, I would have been able to just power right through it at that point. Um, because the arm becomes so weak, but, uh, you know, he's, as he started to release that little bit of pressure, the arm was already, you know, hyperextending. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was watching that him stand up especially. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? It's a bad move. <laughs> he, you know, he, he didn't have, he didn't really have any options, you know? So, uh, it, it's try to, you know, try to wiggle your way out, try to slip it out. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, there, we weren't slippery. Uh, you know, I was fresh. So it was, uh, it was going to be a tight one, uh, really, no matter what he did. Now, to me, anyway, you've always been kind of a, a submission before position kind of guy. I don't know if you agree mm-hmm. with that assessment or not. I do. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's, it seems to make sense. But this fight in particular, you seem to really strike the perfect balance between working for better position and then attacking. Uh, is that something that maybe has come with being wiser and you know being a different fighter mentally than you were maybe 10 years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit, you know, the, uh, um, it was just kind of where we were too, you know, like I, as soon as I, my, my game plan was to, to be throwing some low kicks, um, because he, he doesn't check all that often. So, um, as soon as I saw him kind of moving, it didn't matter what he was throwing. I was going to throw that, that, uh, low kick to the lead leg. Um, and you know, just so happens that he was throwing his kick and it, it tripped him up and, um, you know, I was able to get on top. Uh, and from that position, I, I still go back to my, you know, pressure pass, you know, uh, heavy top pressure, you know, Jamie Cruz style jujitsu. Um, That's right. You know, it's it's when that opportunity starts to arise where I could start attacking uh, that I that I do get a little more reckless. And uh, but uh, yeah, from you know from guard there, my my goal is always to pass, um, uh, you know, and and not to necessarily try to do anything crazy from there. So you know, that's what I was going for. I was I was trying to 
trying to pass him out. Uh, you know, he was doing a really good job of, of preventing that. And, um, you know, but it, it sooner or later it, it's, it came and then, you know, he was able to kind of roll me up and, and, uh, and, and wiggle his way out of there, but I was able to snatch that arm in the process. This was a catch weight at 160 pounds and you yep. know, looking over your ledger, a very long ledger, I should add, uh, this is the only other times that you'd been over 155 was when Tiago Alves whiffed terribly in his attempt mm-hmm. at getting to lightweight. Uh, and then you had a, a welterweight fight in 2007, right? Um, well, technically. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, that one, I actually made weight. I, ma- I made 155 uh, <laughs> for that one. Uh, but my opponent came in at 168 pounds. <laughs> so this is actually the, the heaviest you've been for a fight then, right? Um. Yeah, technically, yeah. On on, uh, on on weigh-in, I should say. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I weighed in at like one fifty-eight or something like that for Alvis. Yeah. So what? Uh, what about um the fact that you didn't have to cut five extra pounds here? You know, how'd you feel? Um, you know, those last five are the tough ones. Um, right. you know, I I definitely start to feel it once I hit about one sixty-four. Um, so it's you know it, it wasn't like you know just an absolute the easiest thing ever, right? You know, so I still had to uh, manipulate you know, my water intake and stuff like that and, and deal with that. Um, and it's never fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, those, those last five are the tough ones. So it was, you know, it, it was, uh, definitely pretty easy. I was, uh, you know, re- was really relaxed during the cut cause I knew it was, you know, it was definitely going to come off and, and, uh, and then in the rehydration, it, uh, you know, things happened a lot quicker, you know, getting rehydrated. A bunch of years back, I remember asking you a question about if you'd ever get back down to 145 pounds, which you'd done mm-hmm. very early in your career. Uh, and you told me you'd rather go to 170. This was obviously yep. a long time ago, and, and your body has changed since then, uh, as many of ours have. Uh, that 15-pound jump, though, from 55 to 70 is, is just so huge. Your brother even got down to there late in his mm-hmm. career. What about the idea of 165 and 175 that people are talking about now? Is that something that you'd like to say? Um, uh- I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, it would, it would definitely take a lot of restructuring. You know, um, I, I would be definitely more open to, to fighting 165. That's a that's an easy weight class for me to make. Like I said, like once I hit about, you know, 164 is when I start to feel, you know, the, the dehydration. So um, I, I think I could easily make it and then perform like I really didn't cut weight uh, if it was 165. Um, but, you know, yeah, the tough the tough part is that like, one, you're, you know, now you're taking champions and you're kind of, you're bouncing them out um, of weight classes and stuff like that. And, you know, and then you're also kind of opening up that door too, where some of the, some of the divisions, they get locked up when, when champs bounce around um, from weight class to weight class. And if you're only 10 pounds apart, I guarantee you that, uh, you know, for the opportunity to, to get a second title, every, every fighter that's, you know, within those weight classes, is going to be hopping up and down, uh, at, you know, all the time. Yeah, that's something I haven't thought of. But at the same time, there'd be one more division yeah. for people to fight for. So in theory, it could clear things up, too. So I, I, I see kind of both sides. That's an inter- yeah. interesting perspective, though. That's something I haven't yeah, you thought know, of. It, it, uh, I mean, like I said, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be up for it, um, you know, because like I said, I, I, I do – contemplate going up to 170s like all the time <laughs> every, every time probably I'm probably like, when you get to 164 right uh, yeah exactly exactly uh so um yeah i mean opening up the 65 pound weight class would be uh you know it'd be good for me but at the same time i'm one of the smaller 155ers so uh i think it would just be a, a 
the same weight class <laughs> for the most part. You know, there'd be a the handful that continue to make the cut, um, and uh, I think the rest of us will go up. Okay, so switching gears just a little bit, you you've not been shy about talking about your battle with Lyme disease. Would mm-hmm. you mind walking us through kind of the timeline? of this battle like when did it exactly start and and how did it start to affect you because when i was trying to remember back i remember hearing i remembered hearing a while back when you fought benson henderson that you had mono and i had mixed myself up thinking oh he had lime all the way back then but no so can you take me through the timeline um so knowing what i know now uh yeah i didn't i didn't it took me a little while you know uh after i was diagnosed to, to kind of figure out when i was bit but uh I'm pretty certain that I was bit during 2013, uh, probably like mid June. Um, I had a series of, uh, series of, uh, of like weird, you know, uh, super nauseous kind of flu like symptoms. Uh, then, a, then, a, then a bunch of migraines and stuff like that, um, over the course of like two weeks. And, uh, you know, I got tested at that time for Lyme disease and I, and I got tested for a whole bunch of other stuff too. Uh, you know, nothing panned out and kind of just went about my way. Um, and then, uh, it was probably late 2014, early 2015 that the, the, a lot of the symptoms that, you know, became really, uh, difficult to deal with, uh, started to kind of stack up on me, which was a lot of like, um, joint pain and, uh, like the, the, the Lyme for me, it's a, it's a very personal disease and that's what makes it really difficult. Uh, you know, the, the, the infection can attack wide variety of different systems in your body. Um, you know, and, and I had a set of symptoms that resembled what it would, you would think, uh, a fighter for 10 years would have, uh, you know, joint pain, uh, numbness and tingling. Oh, it's like, well, I got a, I got a messed up neck. (laughs) So obviously, uh, you know, dealing with my hands going numb and my, my feet going numb here and there. Like if I, if I was sitting on the floor or something, like, like my legs would go numb. Um, and I thought it was just, back and neck problems. Um, but, uh, yeah, 2015 is when it started to kind of kick my butt. And, uh, to the point where like I I would be in the middle of a workout and I'd go to stand up and I'd have to like post on my knee and be grunting and groaning and, 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 you know, and get up like an old man. Um, and, uh, yeah, leading up to my fight in 2016 with, uh, Diego, um, when I went to my doctor to get my pre-fight physical, we, we were talking and he was like, uh, you know, about some of the symptoms and, and, uh, he's like, you know, he's like, I, I think you might have Lyme disease. So we took the test, um, came back negative again, but, uh, about 50% of the people that, that have Lyme test negative for it. Um, so when, uh, when I came back from that fight, uh, we, he, you know, he was still convinced that I had it. So we, uh, tried, you know, of course, doxycycline. And, uh, you know, he said that like, if, if I had Lyme disease, I would feel noticeably better within a few days. Uh, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. You know, it was like uh, within within five days, I could feel a difference. Um, you know, and it it took uh, it took a while for you know the a lot of the like you know I mean for, I, I was going up and down stairs sideways <laughs> because wow. my knees hurt so bad. You know, like that's that's where I was. Like two hands on the railing, like pulling myself up the, you know, a set of stairs. Um, and, uh, it took, you know, it took a few weeks to start like being able to go up and down the stairs, like a normal, you know, 30 something year old man, uh, you know, athlete, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, professional. It, athlete. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, but yeah, uh, it, it definitely, w- the ball got rolling to feeling better. And, uh, 
you know, there's there's uh, there are two different schools of thought when it comes to Lyme. Um, there is still this this side of medicine, uh, and it's about fifty fifty these days. Uh, one side still believes that it's like, hey, three weeks of doxycycline and you're and you're done, you're cured. Um, and it's my experience that that is not the case. Um, I was on doxy for six months. I missed one dosage, you know, like one one morning pill like I, I forgot to take or something like that over six months. Um, and uh, so it was like right after probably like two or three weeks after my second fight with Lozon. Um, and, you know, like I was feeling pretty good compared to what I was feeling like at the beginning of 2016. At that point, I was feeling like good. Um, so I, I, you know, was talking to my doctor. We decided to, to give it a shot, see if I, I you know, uh, pushed into remission. Uh, and it was like seven weeks uh, when the symptoms started to come back. It was actually right before I fought Tiago Alves. Um, it was like that week where like my eyes started twitching like it had been, you know, before I, I, uh, before I was on the medication. I was like, oh, man, you know, like here it comes again. And uh, over the next, you know, few weeks after that fight, it uh, it came back with a vengeance and kicked my ass. Um, you know, it was uh, the the intensity of the like fatigue and pain that I was in was like, you know, two or three fold what it was uh, before I, you know, was diagnosed. Um, you know, some of the things didn't quite come back. The the joint pain necessarily didn't come back, but like. You know, I, I had some sessions training for that that Poye fight that was like easy, easy sessions, and uh, I was banged up like I just did the hardest workout you know you could ever imagine. Um, and then you know over the over the course of uh, 2017, I uh, you know just adapted my uh, medication schedule and, and supplement schedule to try to really optimize everything, and, and I started some like mushroom therapy and stuff like that as well. And um, I noticed a real change. Uh, in the beginning of 2018. And, um, you know, my, my, my doctor had read some, uh, studies that said that if, if you're on the doxy for, for two years, you have a really good chance of, of beating it. So I stayed on the doxy for another year, uh, until it was new year's, <laughs> new, new year's, uh, new year's Eve, uh, for 2019 is the, the last time that I took doxycycline for Lyme disease. And, um, you know, since then I, I kind of, I still deal with things here and there. I, you know, uh, I, I, I do experience some, like I said, it, it, it affected me. Uh, it affected my nervous system uh, probably the most out of anything. Um, so I, I, I do get like twitching here and there. But uh, for the most part, it's been, you know, smooth sailing uh, since then. And, and uh, you know, um, I've adapted my, my lifestyle a little bit. I, I definitely eat to uh, try to prevent inflammation quite a bit more than I did. Um, I'm not a super strict, uh, you know, Lyme diet follower, but, uh, you know, I, I do avoid dairy and, you know, I, I definitely don't drink, uh, beer as much as I used to and, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, that must hurt, you know, it, you know, like it, there was a time where it's like, okay, you have a beer or two at dinner. Like it, it didn't affect me. Didn't affect my training. I didn't need to worry about it for, for the weight cut. The extra calories didn't matter. I was burning them anyway. Um, so like, yeah, I'd have a beer or two with dinner, uh, you know, a couple of nights a week. And, uh, nowadays it's like, it, it's more like maybe one night a week. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's just the little things and, and, uh, I definitely eat a lot more vegetables now too. So, <laughs> you know, well, it's definitely the, the positives. Yeah, it's right. You know, a lot more broccoli. <laughs> Listening to Hulk Hogan is always good. 
That's right. So my understanding, too, is that Lyme disease doesn't go away. Like you have this for mm. life. It's just managing it, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, a, a vast majority of people that, you know, if they if they had it for the time period that I had it, um, it you know, it, it will come back, you know. So uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, I keep my eye on it. And um, at this point, I'm I'm confident now because I know what it what it was you know there's there was a while where i didn't know what it was i didn't know why i was feeling as crummy as i was feeling and uh yeah it was it was uh it was a it was a little bit miserable uh you know like nothing frustrates me more than not knowing what's wrong or what's what's yeah yeah Yeah, so i'm I'm glad to hear that uh you're you're finally able to manage it so you can uh you know optimize your career and you're you're still fighting which is awesome but uh here on the couch side judges we focus on judging in mma and mm-hmm. we were curious to get your thoughts on open scoring, and mm. what do you would that be something you'd like to see? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely something I'd like to see. You know, it's uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of the you know the ten point must uh, system for MMA. I mean, it just I was always a fan of the the pride style uh, of judging, judging the whole fight. Who's the who's the more aggressive? Who's the one that's trying to end the fight um, as opposed to you know, going round by round and, and, you know, because then you develop styles to just win points and, and stuff like that, you know? And, and, um, I think an open scoring system would make those situations where, you know, somebody they're, they're confident, confident, or they're, you know, they, they believe they're winning and they, they're, they're gonna fight conservatively. Um, where, you know, if they realize that either the fight is, close tied up or if they're losing they have to go out and and uh and go for something big and um you know i would uh yeah i I think it would be a positive a positive change how familiar are you with kansas has implemented a form of open scoring they call it real-time scoring uh they started earlier this year at an invictus show uh how familiar are you with that or or the system they use uh i'm not i'm not familiar with it at all really I'll give you I'll give you just a little bit of brief because we actually had um, the commissioner from Kansas, uh, Adam Rohrbach, on our show last week. So he he gave us a real good primer on it. More or less between rounds, they use a Chromebook to show what all three judges scored. It, you all, all you get is numbers. Mm-hmm. You don't get like the names and everything like that. Yeah. So you can see, you know, 10-9, 10-9, 10-9. And then round two, you'd see 19-19-19. Uh, but if you choose, you can also say, I only want to see what happened in the last round. You don't want the cumulative yeah. one. You can see just the last round. What do you think yeah. of just that rough idea of it? There's more to it, but, but just that in general. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that that works. I mean, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't really know if it matters, <laughs> right? <laughs> like just, just, uh, just keeping the, the, the corners informed of how the, how the scoring is going. Uh, I think it's just a benefit, you know? So, um, you know, whatever, whatever system really gets put into place, um, I think would be just a benefit over, you know, stealing the boxing system like we did. Yeah. So how familiar are you with the actual scoring criteria as it is right now? Have you ever spoken with current active judges uh, or have you read the criteria yourself? Um, I've, uh, I've read some of the criteria. Um, You know, it's uh, the, 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 the issue that I, that I always see is, you know, you, you go with the different rule sets and the kind of the rule sets come with different, criteria as well and and not everybody's on the same page um but um i as long as they're judging uh you know aggression (laughs) like are you being aggressive and and uh and going for stuff like as a as a 
you know, they, they threw a lot of weight on that. I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, My understanding, just from speaking with judges that we've spoken to uh, of late, is that what judges are really looking for is results of action. So, like, if yeah. you throw a punch and you miss, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. Even if you, if you throw five punches and you miss, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if the guy lands one counter, and it's a good counter, that will still get weighted heavier. Is that, is that something that satisfies you with the scoring criteria? Um, yes and no. Right. Um, because it all, it all depends on like, if, if that's a, how good is that counter? Right. You know, if it's a, if you're just throwing a jab and you're, and you're backing up and you throw one jab and that jab lands, um, and the other person is coming in and attacking and and trying to do things, um, were you more effective? Technically you were, (laughs) uh, because you did land, but is that, you know, is that jab as you're moving backwards and, and kind of avoiding the fight, gonna end a fight uh and probably not but uh i mean it it could (laughs) i mean (laughs) we've seen uh, examples of it you know i think obviously this is an extreme one with anderson silva against forrest griffin yeah yeah you know uh so i don't know uh it's i try to as a fighter i i i don't like judges (laughs) you know like i i don't feel like i've ever been robbed um I, you know, I've definitely I've been in some close fights that I've won, and I've been in some close fights that I've lost. And uh, but I I I've, I can never say that I feel like I've been robbed by the judges. But um, what got me into fighting is the you know aggressive styles and 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 fighters that were going for finishes and and uh, you know that's that's what I'm there to do. So uh, yeah, I I, I don't know. <laughs> If it was up to you, what uh, would you prefer judges prioritize when it comes to scoring around? Um, I, I, you definitely have to have you know effective striking be be the be the top. You know, um, is that over effective grappling or an equal to? Um, I think I think it's got to be over effective grappling, even as a grappler. Um, yeah, that's surprising because because uh, effective grappling isn't always grappling, you know, for the finish and 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 you know, trying to, trying to put somebody away. Effective grappling is, is controlling somebody. Um, so if you're, if you're throwing strikes, I think you're doing more to finish a fight than if you're just maintaining, you know, uh, maintaining top position, not getting hit with elbows or something like that from, you know, from the bottom and this and that. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that, uh, striking should be the, uh, the thing that holds the most weight. The, 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 my understanding or our understanding, I guess, really, when it comes to the criteria is with, with effective grappling, judges are really looking for you to actually be attacking with submissions that force mm-hmm. the opponent to do something that they're not necessarily trying to weigh laying on top. You know, we saw mm-hmm. just over the weekend with, you know, the main event of your event, you know, we had Curtis Blades and he was getting takedowns, you know, at will for three rounds, last yeah. two rounds. He actually lost both those rounds, even though he was mostly on top. Mm. So I, I think what they they are really looking for, and I'm not trying to sit here and like educate you. I'm just kind of tell you this is this was our perspective of what we've understood of it. That they are looking for results of your grappling actions and not just your grappling yeah. actions. That's something that satisfies you as a grappler and as a fighter. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does. Uh. I mean the the point of it is to to get to a, a position to that you can either cause damage or, or land a submission. Um, at least that's what it should be. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, as opposed to just maintaining control and, and, and not taking punishment. Um, but yeah, I, I, I 
agree with that. The, the, the toughest part though, that I see with that is some of these, some of the judges don't necessarily have grappling experience. Um, so what, what, you know, like in the, in the, in those rounds, what changed, what changed with that, that blades was doing where he went from winning, doing something similar and now he's losing the rounds while he's still on top, you know, was it just keeping his head buried in his chest? And, and, uh, you know, I ended up not going to being able to see the fight cause we, uh, they were like shipping us around like crazy. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But, uh, I, f- I feel like sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes the judges don't know the most about, uh, some of these, some of the, you know, the aspects of MMA. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it can muddy the waters a little bit. I feel. I'm an amateur as far as, you know, looking at fight. everybody watches fights and we, we think we know who won around, you know, I'm an mm. amateur here, but I think I do understand the criteria a little bit. And when I was watching that fight, the reason I thought that Volkov also won those last two rounds, as opposed to the first three was that he had the effective striking that you're talking about. You know, he, mm, okay. he was actually landing even from the bottom there, there were strikes being landed there. They were good strikes. Uh, he actually bloodied up blades nose at the, right at the end of round four. And it was things like that, that, at least, again, as an amateur, I'm sitting there watching in there. Um, so I think that to to your kind of your point of like what did change, it seems like that's more of what it was. It was the fact mm-hmm. that Volkov was more successful with his striking offense. So well, you know, as a fighter, that must satisfy you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a positive. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a win for for MMA judging. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to your uh, you and your career, of course, you know, you were obviously right there in the mix for a lightweight title shot a few years back, like we talked about uh, mm-hmm. in the intro here. You know, that was at least part of your motivation for a while in this sport. How, how much of your goals kind of changed now that you're entering your late 30s? You're nearly 15 years into your cage experience, too. Um, I mean, it's it's broadened a little bit. You know, uh, that's still still my goal. You know, uh, I, I know that I can compete with the best guys on the planet in the sport. Um, you know, it's uh, it's about staying out of my own way and 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 fighting the way that I'm capable of fighting and not, you know, and not letting nerves get me and not letting, uh, you know, uh, pressure, you know, that I put on myself, get to me and stuff like that. And so then I, you know, don't perform. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I, I I just want to fight, you know, I want to fight fights that get me excited and, uh, you know, and really all of them get me excited. Like, uh, you know, I was excited to fight Roosevelt, um, you know, tough up and comer kid and, and, uh, you know, uh, had some yeah. moment, yeah. Had some momentum behind him, um, you know. Uh, definitely a fight that you know. I've, I've never been one to overlook anybody, um, you know, and I definitely didn't do that to him either. But uh, I was also like my fight with Clay. I mean, that that was one of the most excited I've been to to fight somebody just because here's a guy that you know I almost fought a few years ago, you know, or back back in 2011. I mean, we. I remember that. Easily, I remember that kind yeah. of almost came together. Yeah. We, we easily could have fought, you know, 10 times over the years. Um, it just never, never happened, never came to fruition. And, uh, you know, to, to finally get the opportunity to fight him was just, uh, I didn't know what to expect going into the fight. You know, like Clay's got some really good wins over some really good guys. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got the two different styles or he's either comes in super aggressive and he, and he, and he you know, he's got uh, some, you know, he's been able to put some good striking together or he's just that heavy, heavy, heavy wrestler. Um, you know, that smothers guys and, uh, yeah, I was just amped up to fight him and, and, uh, it was, uh, it was just a, one of those experiences that, uh, I was really looking forward to. Here's a big picture question for you. Is it important that is important to you anyway, that fans 
and fighters remember your time in this sport, you know, once you're done? Um, it, it's not, uh, that's not really something that like necessarily motivates me, you know, like I'm, I, I haven't been thinking about like, Hey, you know, what's the impact I can, you know, I'm going to leave on these people, uh, when I leave. Um, but you undeniably as a, are at this point, you've got more fights. Than yeah. Anybody. Your, your name's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's cool. It's cool to have that. It's cool to have the, that, uh, have made that impact and to be continuing to make that impact. Um, but, uh, I, I can't really say that it's like, you know, a, a, a driving force. Um, you know, like I fight because I like to fight and, you know, uh, I, I get to provide for my family doing it. Um, you know, not, not so that I get recognized at the Walmart. <laughs> well, I don't even mean at the Walmart, just in general. Like, just in people's mind. Hey, that, that Walmart in Sussex County, well, there's a couple in Sussex County. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to have you write your epitaph or anything like that yet. Obviously, you're a young man. You still got time in the sport. Uh, you mentioned Saturday that you want to go to Fight Island. Mm-hmm. Are you at least a little disappointed that Fight Island is not a tropical paradise in the Pacific with mermaids as octagon girls and the ocean breeze cooling you off between rounds? I, I really am. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm I'm super bummed that it's in the desert. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I was hoping for like uh, yeah, like the Caribbean or something like that, or yeah, like uh, but uh, yeah, would have been you know, it's it's still be cool. It's still be cool sure. to fight there. Sure. Oh, do you have anyone kind of? in mind for that or are you just kind of telling Sean Shelby you know send me location uh just telling Sean Shelby you know I, I, it actually you know for me more it's more about like the time you know just trying to schedule out the summer and stuff like that and and I'd, I'd like to fight you know end of August early September um and I believe that's you know they're they're gonna be back at, in Vegas at that time so um you know the, the the fight island thing might not happen just yet but uh you know we'll see See how it goes. Know. You don't get to fight in the desert. How terrible. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you ever think about guys that you'd like to fight? You know, is there a bucket list that you have now? You know, obviously, you know, you're not going to be in this forever now. So who who do you kind of want to have on your ledger before you go? Um, I mean, there's nobody in particular that I, I can come up with like off the top of my head. Um, I just I'll I'll, I'll fight anybody, you know, and I, I think I've proved that proven that at, at this point. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's you know, uh, a young kid with a head of steam, or if that's, you know, another veteran, uh, that's been around for a while. And, um, I do want to, I do want to fight at one seventies. Um, I want to see how different I feel. Um, so it, it's really not who it's kind of like those, those little things. Um, so you very much are pushing for one seventy in your next bout. Um, not necessarily. It, mm. it all depends, you know, like if the opportunity arises, uh, I will, I will definitely jump on it, and I and I do remind Sean that I that I will go, you know, fifty five or seventies. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, whatever whatever happens happens, and uh, I'm gonna keep my weight where I feel comfortable with it to make fifty fives. But uh, at the same time, uh, it'll be easy enough to fight somebody seventies. What what weight is that? What do you what do you walk around at? What do you usually come uh, to the cage? Um, I usually come into the cage just over one seventy, one seventy two, one seventy three. Um, you know, and, and nowadays I'm, I'm about mid seventies, uh, walking around and I'll, I'll trim, you know, trim down a little bit, lead up to fights when I have the time. Um, you know, I, I brought it down. Like when I was, when I was, uh, sick, I was having some difficulty making weight. Um, so I started to 
take some of the size that I had I'd put on uh, over the years off because um, for a while there I walked you know uh, upper 180s. Uh, yeah, you, you used to be pretty jacked, dude. I mean, not that you're not you know, rid right now, but you know, <laughs> oh, no, I mean. I've, I've lost I've lost solid you know solid ten pounds. Um, you know, by avoiding avoiding the lifting heavy and and doing a lot of you know like the steady state cardio and stuff like that over the years and and uh you know which it sucks because uh there was i I feel that like over the years my optimal weight was like 185 like when i was when i weighed 185 pounds 186 pounds uh i had more power uh my center of gravity was lower i I did better in the did better in the clinch and stuff like that against the wall with the, the 70 pounders and 85 pounders that you know we you know, trained with back in the day and, um, was basically just as fast cardio was always there. Um, you know, so it, it didn't matter. Um, and yeah, like there, I, I found those benefits and everybody has that sweet spot. And, uh, I kind of felt like that was mine. Um, so now it's kind of, you know, as I'm, that's why I'm, I'm liking the idea of going up, uh, to, to seventies. Cause it's like, well, maybe if I put on a little bit, a little bit of weight, at 170s, then I'm, you know, only dying a little bit, taking a, a couple of pounds of water off to make weight. Uh, maybe it'll be, you know, that sweet spot again. Um, but uh, yeah, like you see it with some of these other athletes, you know, the guys are going up to, you know, uh, up a weight class and they're performing amazingly, um, you know, and I, I, I really do feel that, uh, you know, like the, the benefits of cutting weight uh, do get outweighed, you know, and, and, uh, it, it affects you. It affects you the, the following day. There's, there's no way it's not kind of, I'm, I'm glad to hear you bring that up because that's a drum that I like to beat as far as fighters going up to more natural weights where they don't have to cut and, you know, kill their kidneys and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You just, you see it too much in the sport and you're seeing so many fighters that are finding new success going up. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got Anthony Lionheart Smith, you got uh, Cynthia Calvillo, the headliner from two weeks ago. She, she came mm-hmm. up and she looked great. You yeah. know, it, it's nice to hear that this is, do you get the sense actually that this is something that more fighters are really coming around to, or is it just kind of you? Um, I, I do. I do, I do think it is. And you know, like for me, one of the benefits of going up would be to not have to cut as much weight. So it's like, okay, well, like that's the whole thing like that, you know, 85 ish, right. That's, that's my walking around weight that I felt was, was perfect. Uh, a whole 30 pounds like, over your actual competitive. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like to, to go, you know, like one, I could never, I could never fight at 155 and then get back up to 185 uh, and feel comfortable. Like I, I know that would never happen. Um, but then it's like even to carry that weight into a fight at 170s, I would have been cutting the same amount of weight as I do to cut to 155 because I'd always like I would diet down to about low 170s, set 170 ish, and then I would cut to 155. So like I'd still be cutting about 15 pounds of water, which is gonna suck either way. <laughs> so like. You know, it was like at that point, I'm like, you know what? I might as well just fight 185, like <laughs> then just walk and be, you know, be happy and step on the scale. And it's like, you know, uh, I mean, training with my brother for so many years, it's like, uh, OK, you know, like make him make weight and me not have to. I'd, I'd have taken that fight, you know, all the time, you know, like he's mm. still got a size advantage and strength advantage and this and that. But at the same time, if I didn't have to cut weight, I'd, uh, you know. Man, it'd be a it'd be it'd be a fun fight day. Mm-hmm. I bet a whole fight week would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Now before we go, 
you know, I, I think we're going to wrap up here, but I did want to ask you about your nickname, A10. Mm-hmm. You went a long time without Bruce Buffer announcing a nickname for you. You know, just Jim yep. Miller, you know, not just Jim Miller, but you know what I mean? How did yeah. you get to the point of using A10 uh, as your nickname out there? And, and, you know, how did that one come about? How'd you get A10? Uh, you know, what? I always liked the planes as a, like, as a kid, I had posters on my wall and stuff. Um, you know, and it, it kind of goes in line with the, the, warthog too i didn't want to be like oh the warthog but you know i'm short smelly hairy and ugly um so you know like i mean some of those describe you the more flattering some of some of them do um but uh yeah you know i mean the plane itself is uh it's it's built for punishment you know i mean it's it's not the it's not the fastest jet in the sky you know but uh it'll it'll mess things up so uh, which is kind of like me, <laughs> you know, like a, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fighter jet, but, uh, you know, I, I, I could take punishment and keep on coming. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's, it, that's one of the things you have, a, you have a name like Jim Miller and it's, it's not easy to brand it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's just that's like, something that occurred to me too, Jim. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, so I just threw that in there and, you know, I've been, I've been playing with some, you know, designs and, and shit like that. So, uh, it's really just been about like kind of helping my brand myself and, and uh, just for the, the outside stuff of, uh, of, uh, of fighting, you know, and, and the opportunities outside of fighting, not necessarily, uh, I, I'm not one of those guys that like has a different persona, you know, like I don't, I don't need to be, I don't need to be a 10 to fight. Right. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I can vouch for that. that's about right. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, you know, so once again, thank you very much, Jim, for joining us. Thank you guys for having me on, you know, uh, yeah. yeah. Thank and, you, Jim. Uh, you know, yeah. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, I hope we can speak again soon. Good luck uh, when with the next fight that comes along. Enjoy your your time off from there. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Jim. No problem. Well, Scott, that was rather insightful. He really gave us uh, a really in depth look at his Lyme disease uh, battle. He gave me more than I bargained for. I, I and I'm glad he did because I was very curious about how something like that affects a you know a top tier professional athlete who continues to compete with Lyme disease. Yeah. Some of the things he was saying, I was like, well, how'd you make it to fight night? You can't walk up a flight of stairs. It's crazy. Not only that, I mean, he, he's a very active UFC caliber fighter. You know, you just, you don't see a lot of fighters who take two, three, four fights every single year. Yeah. He hasn't had less than two fights in a year of his career. Yeah. Since his first fight. And, uh, you know, not only that, he makes weight. You know, he's, yeah, he does everything he's supposed to do. And it's always against, you know, rather high quality fighters, too. He doesn't really take any any easy fights. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, too, because he had that one four fight losing streak recently. But this was all against killers. And to bookend that, he had the close decision loss to Dustin Poirier. And then at the other end of that streak, he got knocked out by Dan Hooker. And as it just so happens, those two men are fighting each other in this lightweight main event coming up this weekend. Yeah, that is going to be a wild five-round war that I think we'll be discussing next Monday. This is probably the most hype-worthy fight that we've had at UFC Apex. And I think that definitely includes Gilbert Burns and Tyra Woodley because the hype for that fight just wasn't the same. Yeah, I don't think we expected Burns and Woodley to be fireworks, but... We totally are expecting that this weekend from these two. I don't want to gush or anything like that. You know, that's that's for the hype machine to do. That's for the UFC guys to do and all that kind of thing. But 
this really is a fantastic fight that's pay-per-view quality as far as I'm concerned. And it's not even a pay-per-view. It's it's just an ESPN card. Yeah, and it's going to be awesome. Who do you uh who do you think is going to come out of this? I I don't see a finish. I see it being a five-round war and I think probably Poirier split decision and we're going to be discussing this. I'm going to be bold. Dustin Poirier round 3 submission. Whoa, Dars. No, I'm not going to I'm not going to call a sub. Okay. But uh but I do think it is a sub. Oh wow, that would be awesome. And in the co-main event, we're going to see Mike Perry taking on Mickey Gall. This should be also another fun fight. I got Gall winning. I'll go with submission on this one. I do think Perry's actually going to take this. I'm it's I'm not I'm not hyped about this fight, you know. Um, it's hard for me to get behind Mike Perry because of some of the strange things he says, especially with the N-word. I don't approve of that at all. But the judges for this weekend, again, we're talking about Nevada. Probably going to be awesome just the way they've been the last several weeks. You know, nothing's changed. They, they just keep putting on really good displays of what it is to see quality judging in MMA. Yeah, they're doing a fantastic job. I really hope it continues. I really hope they get to go to Fight Island. <laughs> I'm curious which judges are going to They'll probably bring some international judges over there. I, I'm not sure, but I think typically that's what they've done in the past. We'll see. What about any fights you were looking forward to seeing other than the main event? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a middleweight bout between Kyle Dawkins and Brendan Allen. Both guys, absolute killers. Uh, I know of Dawkins from local events down here in Atlantic City. He's undefeated prospect, taking this fight on short notice. Allen was supposed to fight Ian Heinish. Heinish had to pull out. Dawkins got the call. He's got five wins by Dars, uh, and I believe three others by Rear Naked Choke. Allen's also a finisher. I think it's going to be a fun middleweight bout. You do love your CFFC scene. For sure. What about you, Sky? What, what fight do you want to watch? For me, it's it's one that was just announced uh, a few days ago. Jen Yu Fry against Kay Hansen. This is a women's strawweight. And I've been a fan of Frey for a while. You know, she is one of the top atom weights in the world. That's 105 pounds for those who aren't familiar. It's basically the lightest weight class that anyone uses, even semi-regularly. Uh, she was the... Invicta FC, Adam Wade champion, coming into this one. Kay Hansen, she's only 20 years old, just a little older than Chase Hooper. And now she is actually the second youngest fighter on the UFC roster, the youngest woman. She turned pro at 18 and is now kind of an impressive uh, strawweight prospect. I, I, I would like to see what's going to happen here because you've got Fry's experience. And is that going to trump Hansen's size? I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. It could be another case where, you know, people find success moving up in weight. It could be, you know, the the skills are there for sure. It's just a matter of how he translates, uh, especially this was kind of just put together pretty quickly. So we'll see. Yeah, should be a fun card. That does it for another edition of the Couchside Judges. Thanks again to Jim Miller for taking the time to speak with us and give us some fantastic insights into his well-respected career in the cage. Next week, we'll of course break down the judging from this weekend's fights, and we're also planning something very unique with the Kansas Athletic Commission. Stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. Follow me on Twitter as well at Scott underscore Fontana. Please subscribe to our show if you don't already. And stay healthy and safe, y'all. See ya. See ya.